0: Welcome to Bible Study. I'm very happy to be with you again today and thank you for tuning in with us. Today I would like to thank our panel for coming here for another wonderful uh, Bible Study and uh, I hope you'll enjoy this program. I've got uh, next to me again, Stephen. Welcome to the program, Stephen. Hi, thanks, Nick. And Len, welcome. Thank you, Nick, and hello, listeners. And I uh, thank you, Ligia, for coming.
1: Hi, everybody.
0: And Helen is our uh, facilitator today. Thank you Helen for all the preparation and yeah welcome to the program.
2: Thank you Nick, glad to be here. Exciting study.
0: That's true and I'll just hand it to you Helen and just take us through the study.
2: Okay thank you. I just want to just talk a little bit of what happened last study just to you know bring ourselves up to speed. The last study covered the drama of what we call the cosmic controversy. Perhaps one of the panel would like to say what that actually means.
3: Well, I guess it's the uh, good old story that everyone likes to hear. It's the battle between good and evil. At the end of the day, that's the, that's the summary of it. When I was a kid, I used to like to read lots of stories, and the stories where there was a good guy and a bad guy were the stories that captured my attention the most. And in the, in the Bible, there's a battle between a good guy and a bad guy.
2: And how does it finish up, Stephen?
3: Well, the good guy always wins. Yay!
2: <laughs> That's
3: good, idea. Eh? I always tell my kids if they're watching something on the television or if they're reading or looking at something, and they, they start to get a bit anxious, I say, don't worry, the good guy always
2: wins. <laughs> great. And it does in this instance too, doesn't it? Does anybody else want to add that, please, before we go well, on? Well, the
4: great controversy started in heaven, mm-hmm. but it spilled over to this earth as you would have heard last week if you were listening that Satan was cast out of heaven and his followers who were some of the angels who were tricked by his stories and so that controversy came from heaven to this earth and we are caught in the middle of it
0: and I would just like to mention also that um, through our uh, series of studies we are dealing with uh, the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation And in this case, today, we are um, finding a bit more about one great man, Daniel, and his walk with God, and uh, his stand for God. Now, lots of people in uh, Christendom, they will say that, you know, books like Daniel or Revelation are closed books, you know, uh, hard to understand. But we are going to dig a little bit deeper today and find some of the things in the Bible which will apply to each one of us today.
2: Fantastic. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, it is a fascinating study today on Daniel and about the end of time. And hopefully it will teach us how to be witnesses like Daniel was in a world that is very far from God, in a world that is hostile to him. So we're going to have a look today on Daniel chapters 1 to 6. So first of all, we've mentioned the name Daniel and perhaps some of the listeners don't even know who Daniel was. So could somebody tell me a little bit about Daniel, please?
4: Well, Daniel was a Hebrew. And when the Babylonians invaded what we would now call Israel, they not only sacked the cities, but they also took people back to Babylon to be slaves. Daniel, it appears, was of fairly noble birth, and he was obviously very bright. And so instead of being um, given manual labor, he was chosen by the king because of his obvious intelligence and personality and all that sort of thing, to go into training to eventually um, enter the public service for King Nebuchadnezzar. That's
0: who Daniel was.
5: Mm.
0: Yes. And just adding to that, because uh, Len, you just mentioned about the the intelligence of Daniel. We're going to find out even a bit more than that that the, the Bible speaks about The wisdom of Daniel, which comes from above, because sometimes we can be educated in things on this earth. And uh, as you just mentioned, he may come from a royal background or, uh, you know, but um, to know God and to follow him is the true wisdom.
2: Yeah, I was thinking of the scene about Daniel and what happened. And I thought, well, Daniel was a young man. He was beaming with energy, with intelligence, ambition and hope. And just at the height of his dreams, here comes a Babylonian army, takes him captive along with some of his friends. That must have been a daunting experience to start with. They find themselves in a foreign land, in a native country they didn't know about. I would imagine there would have been culture shock. Having gone from Australia to other countries myself, um, the culture shock can be pretty bad. And I thought, well, maybe Daniel felt that too, because everything was different from the food that they were eating to the worship that they did. But Daniel is a very important book in the Bible, and I believe it's a universal book. It will bring hope. It brings hope to people in need, especially in our day. So we're going to jump right in, and we're going to have a look at some of the stories. So Daniel chapter one sets the scene that we are introduced to a king. Somebody tell me who that was.
3: It was King Nebuchadnezzar.
2: Mm. And yeah. who was he king of what?
3: Well, he was king of Babylon and the surrounding lands. It was like, a, I guess, an empire.
2: Mm-hmm. And, was he a good king?
3: You know, I'd probably say that he was. Um, mm-hmm. He was certainly a very able and astute king. So if you're judging kings based on their ability and their, their wisdom, perhaps, in running their countries, then I suspect he was very, very, um, very good.
2: Mm. He plays a big part in the first couple of chapters, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, in the study, I Thanks, see, Stephen.
4: Sorry. I see something in Nebuchadnezzar which is rather interesting. Here is uh, the king. He has intelligent and faithful people of his own land, and yet he takes from these captives some young men to enter his service. You'd say they're foreigners. Well, they were. Yeah, They were foreigners that he thought could be an asset to his kingdom. Therefore, they were to be trained and eventually enter his service, as I said before.
3: You know, I think it, that shows how clever and wise he was, because I would assume that he would have had, if he was taking Hebrew young men into his service, then from all the varying lands that he had conquered as king, he would have taken men from there. So he would have had quite a, a wide variety of individuals giving him perhaps advice. Or people who could call on for advice when he chose to take it or want it, if that makes any sense.
2: So literally, he picked the cream of the crop. You he would did, say, wouldn't
3: you? Yeah, they mm. say that the men that he and men and women that he took from from Jerusalem and, and the surrounding lands of Israel, as Lynn was saying before, he took the best yes. and left the rest, and that's why Jeremiah was able to say that the land of Israel lay desolate. Mm.
2: That God's oh. God's
3: God's city lay desolate, oh. and he had that prophecy for seventy years. You know,
2: so he took the young people, and Daniel had three very close friends. And um, I was interested when I had a look at these three friends. I, I'm right into meaning of names and and uh, what have you. And I thought, well, I wonder who these three friends were and what they meant. So maybe um, someone here would like to just
1: say, a, hey, what were their names and what did it mean? Yeah, they were Hananiah, Mishael and azariah but their proper names they were changed by the um, king so hananiah means jehovah is gracious mishael means who is equal to god azariah means god is helper and daniel means god is my judge so why did the
2: babylonian king change their
1: names
4: he didn't mm. want to have their names because they all pointed to the God of heaven. Every single name mm. had something about God in it. So he couldn't have that, so he gave them other names.
2: So Nebuchadnezzar didn't worship God?
4: No. Not no. Not, yes. at stage, yeah. <laughs> not at that stage.
2: Not at that stage.
4: he named Daniel Belshazzar, and the first part of the name Belshazzar is Bel which is another way of saying Baal. In other words, he gave Daniel a name not for the, from the God of heaven, but from his God, Baal.
2: It was like another form that he was trying to change their thinking to Babylonian I thinking. Suppose, mm. yeah. But you know, these um, four young Hebrew men, they were determined to remain faithful, faithful to their God. Daniel eight. perhaps someone would like to read that, and it shows us their faithfulness.
3: But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Well, lots of funny words in there, isn't there?
2: Yeah, it's a very interesting statement right at the very beginning, mm. Stephen. It says he purposed in his heart. What does that mean?
3: Well, I would use the word Determined. Mm -hmm. So he decided that this was how he was going to do things, and he was going to do it that way, and it was a heart thing, so that meant that there was probably emotional content to the decision that he made because he loved God.
2: Was this a spur-of-the-moment decision, do you think, or was this his normal practice?
3: Well, I think spur-of-the-moment decisions are not always so spur-of-the-moment. There's that story that Jesus tells, and in the story there are these three servants, right? And he gives one of them five talents, one of them he gives two talents, and one of them he gives one talent. And the one who has five turns it into ten. And when he, the Master commends him, he says, You've been faithful in small things. I will now make you a ruler over many things, I think it was. Yeah. And it strikes me that if we're faithful in small things, then we have more of a chance to be able to, when the difficult moments come and the big issues come, that we're going to be more likely to be faithful in, the, in those at that time as well.
2: There's a text in Luke 16.10 that actually bears out exactly what you're saying. Um, Lydia, have you got
1: that? yes. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Mm. I observed that Daniel carried with him the faith in God and it means he decided in his heart to remain, to stay faithful to God whatever came in, uh, in his way. So him and his three friends, they stayed faithful to God and they decided that no matter what, they will be faithful to God.
2: What a lesson for us, isn't it?
4: Okay, I was going to ask the question, what's wrong with the king's food and the king's drink? Why did Daniel not want to take that food and drink? Well, you have to understand that Daniel was a Hebrew and the Hebrews never ate unclean foods they never ate shellfish, they never ate pig meat, they never ate carrion and uh, scavenger type animals they had clean animals cloven foot and chewed the cut so when um, Daniel and his friends and the others came to Babylon, especially these guys they would have been offered pretty much the best that the empire had to offer Fine wines and the well, the pig meat and this and that, and Daniel couldn't couldn't have that. It was against his principles, against his conscience, and so he and his friends decided they would play it safe. Now I don't know if we're going to get on to that, but uh-huh. I'll I'll just speak about that. Uh-huh. They uh, said, well, no, look. Just feed us vegetables, and that probably included, uh, included pulses, that's beans and those type of foods, lentils and grains, but no meat and no wine, and test us. And at the end of 10 days, have a look, see how we compare with the others. And uh, eventually, I think the name of their leader was Ariel, said, uh, all right, we'll let this happen. But, of course, if they were were no better, then uh, the deal was off. And so he allowed them just to eat vegetables. At the end of the 10 days, the Bible says they looked better and they appeared stronger and more healthy than those who'd been eating the king's king's meat or the king's food. Meat's often used as the term to say food. And so they were allowed to stay on that vegetarian diet.
2: Lynn, can we just step back a minute? Yeah. Because there's a miracle in there that yep. we've just skipped over. When they went to Ariok and they asked that they didn't want to eat the king's meat, what, do you know what his reaction was, Daniel 1.9? Well,
3: he was afraid.
2: Yeah, he was afraid. But what did he actually, um, what happened? In Daniel one nine, if you can just read that text for me please.
3: Now God had brought Daniel into favour and tender love with the Prince of the Eunuchs.
2: Yeah, isn't it interesting that God inspired love and respect in the heart of virtually the enemy of Daniel and his three friends. And it didn't do that until after Daniel and his three friends had made that decision not to compromise. I just found that was a, a, for me, that was like a little gem of a miracle that jumped out when I looked at this, um, our study. And I thought, wow, I guess their motto was no compromise, Hmm. no compromise. Because one compromise can lead to another and another and another. And then it bears out what we talked about in Luke 16. Nick, you wanted to say something. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. just
0: wanted to add there that as we mentioned a bit earlier, they were very purposely in what they were doing because they lived among an idolatrous nation, an idolatrous people. And I like to just make an application, you know, we live today among, uh, you know, so many other things which are not as God intended to be. And it's important to stand out, you know, to to put in practice your beliefs, not just say, no, I will do it quietly in my own uh, comfort zone and but these guys they stood up for what was uh, you know required from them and uh, that's when we'll see that god powerfully used them uh, to reveal himself to other people and in, in even more important than anything to reveal himself to the king of this empire it's really
2: sorry Stephen. it's really exciting isn't it as we go through the study today we're going to see Not just once they stood up. Stephen, I think, was coming in. Yes. Yeah, I was just
3: going to say, um, that's a lesson that applies at all times throughout history, doesn't it? Really, when you think about it, God expects and calls on us to live faithful lives. He says to us, I'm saving you. Now, come on, let's live faithfully together. And he invites us to walk and talk and live with him. And um, if we walk and talk and live with him, then our lives do become a witness to those around about us. Mm. We don't have to bang people. There's no indication that Daniel demanded of the other Um, People who had come from Jerusalem and those places that they had to do the same as what he and his three friends were doing. But he showed them what he was going to do. Yeah, they would have known what he was doing.
2: Mm. Len, I think you wanted to say something. Well, it's probably
4: already been said there are three situations, at least that I know of, in the book of Daniel where there was no compromise. There was this oh, one. Oh,
2: don't jump ahead. This one, we're, we're coming to and that. And there are two more. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> you were going to let the plot out of the bag then. Let's, let's keep the excitement going. All right. But it's true what you're saying. Yes, they're going to stand again. Okay, so there are lessons that we can learn, and thank you, Stephen, for bringing that up. That was really, really great. But we also see where God blessed them, didn't mm. he? Oh, he, he, did. he blessed their obedience. And I think that was very important. So that was Daniel chapter one. I I do hope that some of you listeners will go and have a look at that whole chapter because we're kind of skimming a little bit due to time. But we're just going to move on to Daniel chapter two. And all over the world, Daniel two has actually helped many, many people to come to believe in the God of the Bible. It was really interesting that I had an experience this week where I, um, I met someone I hadn't met before and she started to talk with me and we got talking about different subjects, where does suffering come from what happens when a person dies and she, she said to me, she said, you're a Christian, I said yes I am and I love the Lord and she said why do you believe in the Bible and it's interesting that you know we're talking about Daniel 2 today because I said to her, look, there was a time that I didn't even believe in God and someone opened up Daniel two to me. I loved Jesus, but I didn't I didn't see a connection. And when they opened up Daniel two, my whole world just you know, just my mind just blew apart literally. Because in Daniel two, and we're gonna have a quick look at it at the moment, but in Daniel Two, there is the existence of showed me the existence of God and the foreknowledge that God has of this world. And when I saw that open up and I went to history books and history confirmed it, I thought there has to be a God. And then if there is a God that can inspire men to write this Bible, I need to read this Bible. I need to read his word. That was a change in my life. And I praise God that I was allowed to to explore Daniel 2 and Len I can see you're sitting there dying to say something go ahead
4: well you're not the only one who was convinced of the existence of God by this particular chapter because who can tell the future one of the evidences of the existence of God is to tell the future and this particular chapter outlines the future and it has to you Mm. and it has to many others and shown that God is real
2: yeah well let's go and have a quick look at this Daniel 2 1 to 11 it tells us about King Nebuchadnezzar here he is again he's having a dream through the night but there was something very special about this dream and also about a series of dreams that he had so somebody like to briefly fill me in on what was going on
3: Well, uh, I'm not quite sure exactly what you mean when you ask that question, but let me just make make one note. Um, When he wakes up from his dream, he can't really remember it.
2: That's exactly right. And uh,
3: this is where I find that the whole story gets particularly interesting, because this is where the faithfulness of Daniel is rewarded. Because uh, Nebuchadnezzar calls his wise men and all the rest of them in to to explain his dream, and he says to them, oh, and by the way, you've got to tell me what, what I dreamed. And they say to him, no one has ever asked that of wise men before. That's almost, well, that's unreasonable, isn't it? Mm. But he says, um, for me to be able to believe that you can give me the interpretation, you have to tell me what I dreamt. And of course, who can do that? Mm. Nobody can do that. It's so that. much
2: easier when somebody says, "I dreamt this," and then in your mind you say, "Well, that means this, this, and yeah. this, and this." So and they, they all had
3: books and stuff that they mm. used to go and check. You know, so <laughs> you would tell them their dream, and they go, "Oh, yeah, that reminds me of this particular spot," and they go look at their book up, and they would see what that might mean, the formula or whatever. So when Daniel, well, when Nebuchadnezzar said, "I'm not telling you what I dreamt," either because he didn't know, <laughs> or he didn't, he wanted to test them. Mm-hmm. Um, they were at a, in a bit of a loss, really. And then he said, "Are oh, you just looking for more time?" Mm. You just want to get some time so you can work out what you're going to do. Because he said, if you don't tell me, I'm going to turn your houses into, um, well, into into basically the toilets is really what it means in the original Hebrew. And
2: what was he going to do to them?
3: Destroy them and turn their house yeah. into a latrine. Yeah. is the word that they use. Well, you
2: wouldn't care if you were destroyed what True. the house was turned into. But, I mean, the fact was he got angry, didn't
3: he? He did. Yeah. And then what I find remarkable is Daniel comes in. And one of the first things he does is he asks for time. Mm. And then Nebuchadnezzar, who wasn't going to give the other wise men time, gives time to Daniel and his three friends so they can go and consult with God and ask for his leading and direction on this one.
2: Yeah, that's great. And the example of Daniel then was he got his three friends together.
1: And what did they do? They prayed. They prayed. They prayed. Lydia, why did you say something? Um, Daniel went to his three friends and he urged them to pray to God to reveal them the dream because they were going to be uh, put to death also. So um, Daniel had this faith in himself. He knew that God is going to reveal the dream to save their lives and to let Nebuchadnezzar and all his kingdom that there is a true God That's there. That's so true, isn't it? Len, there is a lesson for
2: us in this, isn't there?
4: I'm just going to probably um, come from left field. When you go to bed at night with a death sentence hanging over you and you pray to the God and say, Lord, can you reveal to me what the king dreamed and not knowing whether God is going to answer that prayer or you will have confidence in God, You would have a fairly disturbed sleep but the Bible says that during the night God revealed the dream to Daniel when he woke up in the morning I think he woke up a very relieved young man
1: oh what it struck me is that when Daniel went to Arioch and asked uh, King Nebuchadnezzar for time Uh, so that he might interpret the dream for him so he he was convinced he had the faith that God is going to reveal him the dream this is pure faith
4: Hmm. I wanted to say too when they woke up in the morning or when Daniel woke up and he realized that he had that same dream which God had revealed to him and he could remember it what did he do? He and his friends, they gave praise to the Lord. He didn't sort of blow on his knuckles and rub it on his shirt and say, look what a good fellow I am. They gave praise to God, and God deserves praise. Mm.
2: Daniel was very humble, wasn't he? He had a lot of humility. He never took the credit to himself. No. Um, Steve, there is a little bit of a lesson that I'd just like you to share with us that uh, when we find ourselves in a tight spot sometime.
3: Well, I think sometimes it's better to pray than to panic, isn't it?
2: Ah, that's a good point. Yeah. It's more effective?
3: Yeah, <laughs> most definitely more effective.
2: But we tend to panic first, don't we?
3: Well, we do. Um, yeah. We do. You know, I look over my life and I always panic first. Mm-hmm. But it would be really good if I just prayed first. That would be a much a much smarter move, really.
2: Yeah. And, you know, we talk about Daniel and his faith. I have seen the faith of children greater than our faith often I'm reminded of the time when um, a friend of mine their daughter was young and we hadn't had rain and we were all praying for rain and it was just on Christmas and we went up we're in South Australia and we went up to Lobethorpe for the Christmas uh, nativity we were singing and this little girl went and picked up an umbrella and she walked out and mum said what do you want the umbrella for you know it's been so hot and it's dry she said we prayed for rain and you know they laughed we mm-hmm. all laughed at this little girl with the umbrella. Guess what?
3: It rained. It
2: poured. It <laughs> buckered down. <coughs> and I thought here was the faith of a little child. Yeah. Oh, to have, for us to have that faith in God. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, well, Helen, let's, oh, Helen, Sorry.
0: Just before you go, I thought, you know, as we just uh, mentioned about uh, Daniel and his uh, experience, just to read a couple of verses from chapter 2.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, let's start from uh, verse 20. When Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changes the time and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers.
2: Mm. Well thank you, Nick. Beautiful, beautiful words. Well we haven't got a lot of time to go right in depth, but can summarize somebody summarize the actual dream, please. What was the dream?
3: Well he saw an image and the image was divided up into four main metals. There was the head of gold.
2: What was the image itself?
3: What was the image? Yeah. Oh, I guess of a man, I oh,
2: suppose. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. I, yes. I was visualising an image could have been a box or whatever. Well, that's so. true. Yes I, yes, I guess
3: when, you, you, when you're when you so familiar with the story, yeah. you tend to just say these things, isn't it? Thank Thanks, you for correcting yeah. me. Anyway, so you saw an image and there were four different metals down through from the head down to the legs. What that mean? Well it represented four different kingdoms. Oh,
2: okay. So the first
3: <laughs> kingdom was Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom and he was the head of gold. That's why in the next chapter, chapter three, he says, No, no, that's not how it's gonna be and builds a one big image, the same as what he saw in his dream, mm-hmm. all gold.
2: So th- he was representing the kingdom of what?
3: Kingdom of Babylon.
2: Right, okay.
3: And then the next one was the um, the silver part, and then there came the bronze, and then there came the iron. And the, the silver part represented the kingdom of Media and Persia. Mm-hmm. And then the, the bronze represented the kingdom of Greece, which I have a bit of a, bit of a soft spot for. And then the legs represented the... Uh, well, iron represented the kingdom of 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 Rome and the empire of Rome. And then there were some feet, and it was mixed with iron and clay, and that represented what would happen after the Roman Empire came to an end. Mm-hmm. And then um, there is this rock that is cut out without human hands, which tells you that that's a divine thing. It comes and smites... How's that for an old-fashioned word? Hits the, um, <laughs> the image... At the base of the image, the image is destroyed, and then the rock turns into a mountain, which symbolizes the fact that ultimately God's kingdom will prevail.
2: Wow. That was what really convicted me when I went to the history books and I looked down through the ages what had happened, and every single prophecy came true, mm. excepting the last one that we're waiting for. And I kind of figure if all the others were 100% accurate, Surely the last one would be two. Len, you're sitting on the edge of your seat again.
4: Okay, oh, I can't get a word in edgewise here. <laughs> well,
3: this is interesting stuff, Len. I'm trying to race
4: you. <laughs> I've done a bit of um, mathematics, and the mathematics of probability is very interesting. So to accurately describe four future kingdoms in order, like the, one follows the other in order which was all confirmed by history, is quite something. And this is why you, when you check the history books, probably said, well, this is just not from the normal human experience. This is something supernatural. Daniel was advised, or God told Daniel what was going to happen. It's uh, an improbability that a normal human being could predict. Now, just just for... Uh, now if we had to look into the future and say well what will be the greatest nation on earth in 150 years if the earth lasts for 150 years but just for the sake of the probability there are something like 225 different nations on earth will it be New Zealand Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Stand
2: up the New Zealanders. (laughs)
4: Will it be uh, a little country in Africa? Uh, Rwanda, for example? Will it be Iceland? Look, we could guess 225. But then to do four of them consecutively that history bears out, it just shows me and it's shown many people That this was a divine revelation. Mm. This was not just man's thoughts.
2: And it certainly wasn't written after the event either, Mm. because when he wrote this, when the book of Daniel was written, Babylon was a wealthy, wealthy kingdom, wasn't it? Mm. And you wouldn't have thought that it would have. um, Well, it was a good fortress and everything. It was amazing. Before we go on, I think, Lydia,
1: you had something you wanted to share. What impressed me is that when Daniel appeared presented himself in front of the king he said quite few words to to the king and he said no wise man enchanter magician or can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about but there is a god in heaven who reveals mysteries and after he presents the dream to the king and when he finished the king said to daniel surely your god is the god of gods and the lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you were able to reveal this mystery so uh, the king recognized and he he remembered exactly the dream that he had the statue of a man a huge statue in front of him
2: so the king actually acknowledged the power of god yes Yes. Miss.
0: yeah and as we uh, go through this story you know one thing it comes in my mind uh, very strongly that there is a plan there there is a scenario there Uh, god had a plan in mind to reach out to the idolatrous kingdom to the people who don't know him and he's doing through this dream and he he has daniel on his side his follower to To be able to work together with God and to influence these people as we are again, um, I just want to make an application we are among the people in this world which the concentration of most of the people is just for now and today and for the things which we love but God has a plan now and mm-hmm. that plan is with each one of us with me, with you, with everyone out there listening, that we may be part of that amazing plan of God to know God better ourselves, but also to reach out to those people who don't know him. I think that's a good point, mm. Nick, because
3: the dream isn't given to Daniel first. It's given to Nebuchadnezzar yes. first. I think that, And it's amazing because that's the very first dream in the whole book. I mean, we know there's, some, there's a whole bunch more coming. Mm. But the fact that the very first dream in Daniel's book is given to someone who isn't a follower of God, who isn't from God's people for me, is really quite significant. Mm. And point, it echoes David. the point that Nick was just making.
2: Yeah, Good point. Yes, Len.
4: The passage that uh, Lydia was reading was pointing out how King Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged God. Yes. yes. But as you read through the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar forgot mm. this. Mm-hmm. He, didn't have he was change. again reminded of it, and then he forgot again, mm-hmm. and then he was reminded of it until he made a proclamation throughout the land that the God of Daniel is the God of heaven, and he is the one you should worship. But to be fair, isn't that like life?
2: Yes, I was I mean, going to say that.
3: Mm. We've got the Judges cycle in the book of Judges where the people of of Israel follow after God, then they slip away, and then things get really bad, and they call out to God to rescue them, and God sends a sends a, a judge or a leader to, who does that, and everything goes well. while that judge and those who knew him were alive, and then it slides away again. That's the that's the judge's cycle in the Old Testament. When we look at our own personal lives, we have our own similar cycle, yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just how life seems to work, eh? Hey? Mm-hmm. That
5: and, is so and true, also, And
0: also, you know, one of the attributes of God is that he's long-suffering, you yes. know? And he was indeed long-suffering with Nebuchadnezzar also. I mean, this man who saw the manifestation of the power of God mm. in his life, but he carried on with his duties with his um, concerns with his daily uh, you know things you know he was a king of a um, mm-hmm. big uh, empire there but what amazed me is that uh, god is persisting you know it's pursuing uh, this man and uh, that's another lesson for us because sometimes we are very uh, easy to to be judgmental and to just give up yes on uh, on people Uh, But in this situation, again, yeah, we are reminded that keep on, keep on working on on, uh, people as long as you know that you are on God's side. Yeah.
2: Fantastic. You know, it's so good to know that God is long-suffering because, as you both said, we we tend to go off on our own little tangents, don't you? And he just wants to keep us coming back.
3: Well, we live in a world where um, if you watch television, everything gets solved in 40 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. And so we don't have that long-term patience built into our program and into our psyches. And whereas God, he's been around forever and he'll be around forever. So time is, well, time is no big deal to him. Yes. And so he's prepared to keep putting in the effort and keep pushing and pushing. Whereas we, if we don't get a result straight up, we go, oh, well, off we go. We'll try something else or we'll try someone else or we'll give up and get someone else to do it. God isn't like that.
2: We have to remember, too, that we don't have forever to make that decision to follow God. That's true. You know, time might mean the same to God as to us, but he says now is the day of salvation, so we need to acknowledge him. Let's move on to chapter 3, shall we? Verses 1 to 6, the scene changes. Uh, I kind of see this all in little capsules, and, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> suddenly we're moving the cameras to a different scene, and we're going off to the plane of Dura, So tell me, you know, what happened on the Plain of Jura? What was this all about? And we're looking at Daniel 3, 1 to 6.
4: Well, King Nebuchadnezzar remembered the dream, but he also recognised that he was the head of gold and he expected his kingdom to last forever. So he changed things. He had this pure gold image, 90 feet tall. uh, That's just under 30 metres and nine feet wide, which is just under three metres, set up on the plain of Jura to represent him and his kingdom.
2: Wow, it must have been some statue. Of
4: course, yes. And gold, of course, is a very durable metal. And then in order to um, probably make a lesson to all the people in his kingdom, he invited all the important personages along for the celebratory occasion where where there's an orchestra playing and at a certain time everybody all the important ones the governors and judges and it gives a list satraps and other things I don't know what a satrap is I was going is. to say what's a satrap. I know what a rat-trap is <laughs> but not a sat-trap uh-huh. but anyhow they were then to bow down to this image which is to acknowledge their allegiance to him, the king of Babylon. But in another way, this image was an idol.
3: Well, I guess for them it wasn't a big deal insofar as one god, two gods, three gods, they were polytheistic. Another god, well, that'll just be fine. Um, and so Nebuchadnezzar was really using this as a means of uniting everybody and ensuring they're all on the same page, or all working together for the, for, the, for the common or really for Nebuchadnezzar's good. And that was what his purpose was, to make sure everybody was working in sync, yeah?
0: So, yeah, it's just amazing the excitement of uh, talking about these things. You know, uh, Daniel chapter 2 and 3 and so on, it's one of my favorite you know passages in the bible but time is going so quickly today and Mm. i can't believe this it's just the time to take a short break and please stay with us because we are going to come back and just uh, open up a little bit more about this uh, great image you know which uh, we are talking about and uh, make some application for our time and the prophetic uh, uh, implication of this but please stay with us don't go anywhere you are listening to bible study
5: there in the heart of the fire to save the three men who belonged to him and jesus was there upon the cross to save us from satan death and sin jesus saves his people from the fiery furnace like shadrach meshach and abednego with jesus for us who can be against us? He's the God who defeats our foes. Jesus saves His people from the fire of the woods. A giant red, we shine the land. go. Bring Jesus for us. Who can be against us? He's the God who
3: Welcome back to our Bible study group time. Just so I could put a little promo in here. Um, if you'd like to join a group Bible study rather than just sitting and listening on the radio, then every Saturday morning at Adventist churches all over the country, you can join in with them and they have one usually starting around about 9.30 on a Saturday morning. Although it'll be worthwhile to check out the times because some churches do have different times. Here in Adelaide, there are a number of churches where you could attend, but if I could just point out three of them. Down in the south of Adelaide, there's a larger church called Morphett Vale on Pimpala Road, and they start at 9.30 in the morning. In the city, in the CBD on Angus Street, there is Adelaide City Church, and they also start at 9.30 in the morning. And perhaps towards the north, in Para Vista, they start at 10, but their Bible discussion starts around about half past 11. And you'd be welcome to join and sort of put some faces to the discussion. Very glad to see you as you come along.
4: Okay, well, the scene was set. The image was finished. The furnaces for melting the gold were still there. The people were assembled. assembled The orchestra played. And at a certain time, everybody was to bow down. And so the note was struck. Or bagpipes, as Stephen might have suggested, could have been there too. And people bowed down. Except three Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now just before this there was a there was a warning. Anybody who did not bow down would be instantly thrown into one of these furnaces, one of the gold smelting furnaces, and they'd be hot. I've seen gold being smelted and it's pretty hot. The king didn't throw these three men in the furnace straight away or have them thrown in the furnace because he trusted them. He liked them, and they were a valuable asset in his kingdom. So he called them over, and he said, Well, why didn't you do as you were requested? And this is what they said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. I don't think that would have gone down particularly well. (laughs) Then they went on to say, but even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up.
3: You can just imagine how, how, how wild Nebuchadnezzar would be. I mean, this guy's a despot. Mm. I sort of interrupted the lens, len's run there and mentioned it. He's used to do, getting whatever he wants. If he says jump, you don't say um, when. You say how high and mm. right straight away. And so when these guys say to him, well, you know, it really doesn't matter a fig what you say. We're not, you know, not mm. going to bow down your silly image. Um, he would have been absolutely ropeable.
1: And verse in the next verse is saying that Nebuchadnezzar was furious.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. Yeah. Can you
2: imagine the scene? I imagine all those people on the planes were probably aghast. You know, I'm
1: probably saying, just bow down, just bow down. You can just but, imagine. And he yeah. or, he ordered that the furnace to be heated uh, seven times hotter than usual.
0: You know, when uh, when you have an enemy and it's you know resisting you you know you kind of say oh yeah yeah i know but when you have some people who you trust in yes. you know you have some friends and they let you down in front of the the whole nation if you like you know man i, I can just feel that uh, that anger of of the king even though he was trying to spare them you well, know? He's,
3: he's trying to build um uniformity with his leaders right he wants all of his underling leaders to all go on the same road and here's three significant ones saying no this is not good he has to make an example of them. Otherwise, he'll lose his... Um,
2: Credibility with Yeah, trouble. and
3: he'll, he'll lose that sense of, we better do it, Nebuchadnezzar says, otherwise we're in big, we're in big trouble. Yeah. So he has no option but to throw them into the fiery furnace. He and has to do that's that. that's what
2: happened, wasn't it? They yes. went into the fiery furnace. Okay, but what happened in there? Another miracle happened, didn't it? Yes. What happened?
3: Well, he, Nebuchadnezzar said, didn't we throw three men into the fiery furnace? How come there's a fourth one in there And he looks like a son of the gods
2: Interesting
3: Yeah, Interesting. He, se- he sees this as a supernatural divine being And of course we see that's God In yeah. there with the people who are faithful to him
2: And they actually came out of the fiery furnace Did they not? Yeah And I, I believe the Bible says That there wasn't even Or it alludes to the fact There wasn't even smoke on them Or anything yeah. like that
4: So this is obviously another miracle Another supernatural event mm. question is why did God save these three men did he save them in order to show that he would do good things for his good people did he do it to show his sovereignty to the king did he do it to demonstrate that there was somebody in the universe higher and more powerful than King Nebuchadnezzar with all those important officials there as witnesses a very interesting question.
0: And it's, Len, uh, for me and uh, from my point of view, is will be very hard to answer uh, one of those questions because who can go through the mind of God, you know, and to, uh, to know. But one thing is certain that if you trust in God, and these three young men said it so nicely, even though God would not spare us, will still trust in him and uh, that remind, reminds me like stories of like job and other great people of god who trusted in god why because their relationship with god their trust in god was not only for now and here in the present time on this earth they had a further more vision about god and the everlasting life which God promised to each one of us. And even though we'll go through some hardship, difficult times, God may not spare us from some uh, horrible things, you know, which can happen to us in this world, but God promised us something that he will be with us and never let us down. But also because they trusted in God, God wants to show them that, yes, he he answered to their requests. I think the other
3: thing is that um, the great theme of Daniel was that God is in control. And in Daniel 4, verse 17, it says, um, The holy ones declare their verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. And the big deal in, in Daniel, in the book of Daniel is that God is in control. Mm. And this was a moment when God decided that he was going to show this Nebuchadnezzar character who was in charge of the most important kingdom in, the, in that Mediterranean basin area there, that, yes, you are the king of kings here on earth, but I am king over all mm. and I am in control and I put people on thrones and I can take them down.
2: Good point, Stephen. It's interesting that Nebuchadnezzar actually acknowledged the existence of the power of the true God he acknowledged
1: that because he went he approached the the entrance of the furnace and called them out by name they called them out and he acknowledged he said servants of the most high God come out come here mm. so he mm. acknowledged he was so impressed that he saw the fourth person with them and they've seen them unharmed and then when they came out their robes Uh, robes were not touched, were not scorched, and there was not even smell of fire on them. So untouched.
4: So in the first instance, Nebuchadnezzar, through the dream, came to the realization that God is sovereign, but then he forgot. Yes. Mm -hmm. And here we have another instance of where he had to recognize that God was sovereign. In fact, he even said, "Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego." Got
3: and the same me. thing happens in the next chapter. Of yeah. chapter four, you have a situation where Nebuchadnezzar goes mad. Mm. Essentially, he eats grass like a like an ox, and um and at the end of that time period. He raises his eyes to heaven and makes
0: a very similar kind of a statement. And Helen, you just started to say something there. And uh, as, as we look at the time now, we kind of like panic here because it's very little time left and we want to really say something here. But yeah, just you on, with Helen, with what Thank you were you, just uh, trying to say a bit earlier.
2: Yeah, although he, he believed in the true God and had the, you know, in God's power, he hadn't completely submitted himself to God, had he? No. And in fact, you mentioned tra- chapter 4, Stephen. Daniel 4:30. Has somebody got that, Daniel 4:30? This is a main problem that he had. Nebuchadnezzar had. The king
3: spoke and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built f- for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honour of my majesty?
2: What was wrong with Nebuchadnezzar? He
3: was pretty self
2: And he was full of? Pride. Pride. What's the middle letter of pride? letter I. Mm-hmm. He had eye problems didn't he? A bit he like did. we talked about Lucifer last time. Okay, so there was another dream. Let's quickly wrap this up guys. Okay, what was the dream? I think you alluded to it, to it Stephen. It was a tree would be cut down
3: mm-hmm. and, then,
2: and, and then what the, would be left?
3: Just the stump.
2: The stump. With an and
3: iron belt Yeah, and so what, it,
2: what who was the tree?
3: Nebuchadnezzar okay. was the tree. Okay,
2: what was the what did it mean there was a stump still there?
3: That there was still hope.
2: Okay. He ended up on a very good diet, didn't he?
3: (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) Well,
2: he ended up on a plant based diet. Daniel (laughs) (laughs) and his three friends started off that way. Eating grass. I'm sorry. I I just smiled when I read that. He became a vegetarian at the end.
4: Eating grass like an ox. Yes. It's interesting. Nebuchadnezzar went mad. Mm. But nevertheless, the kingdom was not handed over to anybody else, it was in caretaker mode. He was still alive. Yes. And and that was the stump.
2: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That's so true. And, that, and that's isn't that wonderfully compassionate of our wonderful God to do that.
4: Yeah, you
3: yes. have to think that maybe Daniel, who by this stage would have been very high up in in the organisation of the kingdom, but was probably protecting him.
2: Well, that's what I like
3: to think anyway. Could
2: well be. I read a statement that said, the once proud monarch had become a humble child of God. The tyrannical overbearing ruler became a wise and a compassionate king. Mm. And, and you know, it's just, it's so good to see how God works. We, we're looking at this in hindsight. Poor Nebuchadnezzar, he was working his way through it. Yes. But he did come to that place, which we all need to come to, to submit to God you know and and get rid of our pride and what have you but lesson, chapter five very quickly chapter five we see again daniel is going to interpret and um through the power of god but then we find something if we flip over to daniel six there is a certain thing that raises its ugly head by the people around his counterparts what was that jealousy that's it they got jealous Have you ever been in that situation when you're doing something and and your friends around are suddenly jealous of what you're doing, what you're able to do?
3: I must confess I've been with the friends. I've been the jealous one.
2: Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. So they got jealous. They wanted to find fault in Daniel. They couldn't find anything at all. Nick is just reminding me. I have to stop getting so enthusiastic here. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, so they wanted to accuse him, but they couldn't find anything to accuse him of except what? His worship. Yeah, yeah. I remember once a friend came up to me and she said, Will you stop it. And I said, stop what? She said, stop trying to be so good. And I said, "What do you mean?" I said, "This is me." And she had become jealous of me in the workforce. And the only thing she could pick on me came down to the fact that I, I loved the Lord and I was working for Him. Mm. And I thought, how interesting—it's similar to Daniel here.
0: And okay. just uh, Helen, just before you go um, further, as I said, we we need to come to a close now yeah. and wrap it up very quickly.
2: It's a but shame we're enjoying. Yeah, it. Yeah, but look, <laughs> we'll
0: uh, we'll have time to come back uh, next uh, next time
2: okay we need to wrap up as you said um, the outcome for Daniel was the jealousy he ended up being in the lion's den and another miracle occurred yes Lynn?
4: I'm going to say um, sorry I'm not going to let you wrap up just yet <laughs> worship is a big issue
2: oh absolutely
4: um, you were talking about that friend in the workplace it's, it's a big issue all around we can accept people or we may be accepted by other people on all other grounds. Okay, we're Australians and we're middle class Aussies and we do this, do that. Yes, we're accepted on that. But when it comes to worship, this is a big issue. It was then and it still is now and it's going to be in the future.
0: And and probably on that aspect, uh, I may just ask a rhetorical question from each one of us, you know, who do we worship? do we worship ourselves do we worship whatever in this world or we are really considering to worship the true god of heaven Mm.
2: i'd just like to finish on a statement that god delivered not just daniel he delivered the three hebrews as well he has delivered many right down through history and you know friends god will deliver you regardless of what circumstances you're in. And we've seen this through Daniel in our study today. But I think we need to get to the point of trust him. Give him your life. He will never let you down. He will be there for you. No matter what you go through, he will be there right to the end.
0: And if we if we can just mention one taken point from this uh, Bible study, what would we say, each one of us?
1: Lydia? I would like to say exactly as the words of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon in the end he said I praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just
4: I'd like to say this if we commit our ways to God we can never go wrong it may not always be comfortable but we will never go wrong he will protect us and look after us
3: i got so many ideas floating around in my head at the moment it's hard to actually um, come down to one but I think I like the statement that uh, King Darius says at the end of chapter 6 of Daniel when reflecting on the events surrounding Daniel's um, being um, put into the lion's den and coming out of the lion's den and he says this Greetings, I command that throughout my empire everyone should fear and respect Daniel's God He is a living God and he will rule forever His kingdom will never be destroyed and his power will never come to an end. He saves and he rescues. He performs wonders and miracles in heaven and on earth. He saved Daniel from being killed by the lions. And I think to myself, you know, that's the God I worship. I worship a God who saves and delivers, who is in control, and who makes a difference in people's lives even today.
5: Absolutely. And for me,
3: that's the wonderful thing about God. Mm. And yes, he is in control and he is above all things and sometimes we can't figure it all out and maybe we'll never be able to figure it all out but the good thing to know is that in the process of living god walks every step of our lives with us and we are never alone
2: Mm -hmm. just one more statement just to finish off and that is yes all glory goes to god he worked in and through daniel because daniel gave his life to god and you know just to sum up daniel ate carefully but he lived prayerfully And I think that's a good example for all of us. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much for uh, being with us today. Uh, I wish uh, all God's blessings to you. And uh, please just remember, keep focus on walking in the footsteps of Jesus and God will reveal his secrets to you.